The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 247. Today, the Bible Study Podcast begins the study of 2 Samuel. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I had said last week we might start 2 Samuel or we might begin a study on the fundamentals of Christianity. I've decided I'm not quite ready for that study yet, and so we'll do 2 Samuel, and that will give me time, a lot of time, I suspect, to prepare for the next one. 2 Samuel 1, David hears of Saul's death. You may remember that at the end of the last book, 1 Samuel, and these are a two-part series of books, that Saul and his sons were all killed by the Philistines. And actually, I say all killed, but that's not quite true, and we'll see that that presents a problem in a minute. Chapter 1. After the death of Saul, David returned from striking down the Amalekites and stayed in Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from? David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked. Tell me. The men fled from the battle. He replied, many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to the young man who brought him the report, how do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, the young man said, and there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and their drivers in hot pursuit. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me, and I said, what can I do? He asked, Who are you? An Amalekite, I answered. Then he said, Stand here by me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm still alive. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I knew that after he had fallen, he could not survive. And I took the crown that was on his head and the band on his arm, and I have brought them here to my Lord. Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who brought him the report, Where are you from? I am a son of a foreigner, an Amalekite, he answered. David asked him, Why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of his men and said, Go strike him down. So he struck him down and he died. For David had said to him, Your blood be on your own head. Your own mouth testified against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. This seems like a very harsh story, but at least in this, David is being consistent. David was twice given the opportunity to kill Saul, who was after his own life, and said he could not do so because it would be wrong to kill the Lord's anointed. So David is only doing to this man what he felt would happen to him if he had done the same deed. And so it seems very harsh, but the good news that the man brought actually brings mourning to the camp. And it's interesting that it brings mourning not just to David, but to those following David, because these were often the ones who had advised him, you know, go kill the king, go take his life, he's after you. But they have learned from David, and so they also are mourning both for Saul and Jonathan, and then also for all of Israel that has suffered a great defeat. And I think in this we see where David's loyalty lies, and it lies with God and it lies with Israel. And so this is good news for him in the sense that he's no longer hunted, but it's bad news because this is a defeat of Israel and a defeat of God's anointed. And then David expresses his grief. David took up his lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan, and he ordered that the people of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jashar. A gazelle lay slain in your heights, Israel, how the mighty have fallen. 
Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain. May no showers fall on your terraced fields, for there the shield of the mighty was despised, the shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, the sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. Going on into the next chapter, David is finally made king. Or was David already king? David was anointed by God as king through Samuel. When is a king not a king? He's been anointed as king, and yet he has not been king. Saul has been king. And so finally, in the second chapter, we get this. In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. The Lord said, Go up. David asked, Where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. When David was told that it was the men of Jabesh-Gilead who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to them to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul your master by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness, and I too will show you the same favor because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave, for Saul your master is dead, and the people of Judah have anointed me king over them. Now he is king at this time over Judah. Judah is one of the twelve tribes of Israel, and he is of the tribe and the lineage of Judah. So still, a king and not a king. And there's one more problem, and that is a civil war. Meanwhile, Abner the son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had taken Ish Basheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Mahanaim. He had made him king over Gilead, Asheri, and Jezreel, and over Ephraim, Benjamin, and all Israel. Ish Basheth, the son of Saul, was forty years old when he became king over Israel, and he reigned two years. The tribe of Judah, however, remained loyal to David. The length of time David was king in Hebron over Judah was seven years and six months. Abner, son of Ner, together with the men of Ishbosheth, son of Saul, left Mahanaim and went to Gibeon. Joab, son of Zariah, and David's men went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. One group sat down on one side of the pool, and the other group on the other. Then Abner said to Joab, Let's have some of the young men get up and fight hand to hand in front of us. All right, let them do it, Joab said. So they stood up and were counted off twelve men for Benjamin, and Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and twelve for David. Then each man grabbed his opponent by the head and thrust his dagger into his opponent's side, and they fell down together. So the place in Gibeon was called Helkath Hazurim. The battle that day was very fierce, and Abner and the Israelites were defeated by David's men. The three sons of Zariah were there, Joab, Abishiah, and Asael. Now Asael was fleet-footed as wild gazelle. He chased Abner, turning neither to the right nor to the left as he pursued him. Abner looked behind him and asked, Is that you, Asael? 
It is, he answered. Then Abner turned to him, turn aside to the right or left, take one of the young men and strip him of his weapons. But Asael would not stop chasing him. Again, Abner warned Asael, stop chasing me. Why should I strike you down? How could I look your brother Joab in the face? But Asael refused to give up the pursuit. So Abner thrust the butt of his spear into Asael's stomach, and the spear came out through his back. He fell there and died on the spot. And every man stopped when he came to the place where Asael had fallen and died. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner, and as the sun was setting, they came to the hill of Ammah, near Gia, on the way to the wasteland of Gibeon. There the men of Benjamin rallied behind Abner. They formed themselves into a group and took their stand at the top of a hill. Abner called out to Joab, Must the sword devour forever? Don't you realize that this will end in bitterness? How long before you order your men to stop pursuing their fellow Israelites? Joab answered, As surely as God lives, if you had not spoken, the men would have continued pursuing them until morning. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the troops came to a halt. They no longer pursued Israel, nor did they fight any more. All that night Abner and his men marched through Arabah. They crossed the Jordan, continued through the morning hours, and came to Mahanaim. There Joab stopped pursuing Abner and assembled the whole army. Besides Asael, nineteen of David's men were found missing, but David's men had killed three hundred and sixty Benjamites who were with Abner. They took Asael and buried him in the father's tomb at Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men marched all night and arrived at Hebron by daybreak. If some point, believe me, David will finally become king of Israel. He has been anointed by God king of Israel, remember. So what Abner is doing is in violation of God's orders, as they were told through the prophet Samuel. But still not yet. Still not yet. And all of this bloodshed that's going on, all of this strife, all of this brother killing brother, talking to each other in a common language during the middle of the battle, all of it was avoidable. So why did Abner do it? I think the obvious answer is that Abner is the second to the king. And the king dies. Abner was in charge of the king's army. And he had favored Saul over David. And so there was probably not a place for him. And so it's power. And so it's prestige. It's all the things that Abner will lose causes him to side against David. And this bitterness and bloodshed comes from that. Abner, Abner tries to frustrate the will of God. And the cost for it is dear. The one interesting thing for me in this story is the three brothers. So David has three brothers who serve him, and the older brother who is in charge of David's army is Joab. And Joab's younger brother is killed, and he's killed by the head of the Benjamite army. He's killed by Abner. Now, Abner doesn't try and kill him. He tries to warn him to stop pursuing me so I won't have to kill you. But still, Joab then gets all of Abner's army pinned in on a hill and listens to reason and listens to the reason that why are you trying to keep pursuing us? This will only result in bitterness. At some point, David needs to rule Israel. At some point, David needs to rule the tribe of Benjamin. I wonder if this moment here is one of the reasons why later on, when all of Israel turns its back on his son Solomon, it's both Judah and the tribe of Benjamin that don't. I wonder how much of that comes back to what didn't happen here, what could have happened here if someone hadn't had just a little common sense to stop the slaughter when it was avoidable. 
With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. As always, thanks so much for listening. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.